Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Welcome to Focus Ed, where we invite expert guests to join us. In this episode, we have Joshua Stamper with a focus on what it means to aspire to lead and his model for leaders who want to push boundaries in education. Welcome to the show, Joshua. We are thrilled to have you. Oh, it's a joy to be with on you, gentlemen. I thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. With that, TJ, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about Joshua? Thanks for that, Joe. Joshua Stamper initially used his artistic talent, creativity, and original ideas as a professional graphic designer. He then transitioned to inspiring students to use their imagination and creative expression in public education. Being unsuccessful as a student growing up, Joshua never expected to be back in the classroom as a teacher, athletic coach, and administrator. His struggles as a student spawned a passion to change the education model, push the boundaries of traditional learning, and explore new innovative ideas. Joshua has been a middle school assistant principal in North Texas for the past eight years, where he has served at four campuses in two school districts. In addition to his current administrative position, Joshua is the host of Aspire, the leadership development podcast. He's a leadership coach, education presenter, and podcast network manager for Teach Better Team. He's also the author of a 2021 book called Aspire to Lead, which we're going to talk about today. Joshua lives in Dallas, Texas area with his wife and five children. You can stay connected by following him at Joshua underscore Stamper on Twitter and Instagram or by visiting his website, www.joshstamper.com. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. All right, Josh, we want to get started here. We're going to jump right in. Your book, Aspire to Lead, it's meant to help educational leaders push boundaries and level up their leadership. It's a great read. We want to first ask about how leaders might activate self-development. That's a key aspect of the book, and we want to hear about that self-development piece. Yeah, I appreciate it. So when we talk about professional development in general, obviously the model typically is sit and get, and we're gathering information, we're obtaining knowledge in some type of new subject matter. For an aspiring leader, obviously the big thing is trying to learn the, the next position that you want to gain. What I talk about as far as the activation piece is a lot of times we, we get the knowledge, but we don't do anything with it. 
you know, so we get all of these different master programs that we have to take, or maybe it's professional development with a program within the district. But then once we obtain that knowledge, we go back to the classroom and we don't actually gain the experiences that we need to be ready for the next position that we're hoping to obtain. So the activate piece is, is really talking about a misperception that I had in my own journey. And that's really what the book is, is set up as is, is story after story of, of my missteps. And, and the reason I wanted to be as transparent was because I wanted to make sure that people weren't making the same mistakes I was within my own journey. So I was going through the master's program, I was going um, to get my educational leadership master's and getting all this knowledge. But then I was just going in the classroom and I was just really just honing in on those students that I had in the classroom, but I wasn't actually seeking new experiences. And what I learned was that other people were being more active. They're going to the front office. They were going to other leaders within the building and they were getting the chances that I was hoping for myself. And I couldn't understand, well, why was I not, uh, you know, getting the same opportunities? And the reason was, was because I wasn't seeking them. I wasn't getting out. I wasn't asking. And so the following year I met with my principal, I met with my assistant principal and they said, Hey, we have an open door policy. You can come down anytime you, that, that you want. And I took that and I ran with it. I figured if they were going to give me that opportunity, then I wasn't going to let it pass. And so before school, during my off period, during my lunch, after school, anytime that I had an opportunity, I ran down to the front office and I was just present and they let me be a part of any and every experience that I possibly could. So they let me be in meetings. They let me go through walkthroughs. I mean, um, student discipline, parent meetings, you name it. Like I was there with them and I either was an active participant or at least I got to observe how things worked. And so that way I was ready for the interview process, which I talk about in the book um, through the part of execute. But the, when you're going to the table, then you're speaking on experiences that you've actually done instead of this is how I would do it. And obviously, if you have experience and you're able to talk about that in an interview process, that goes much farther for that position than you just talking about theory and what you might do in that circumstance. Thank you, Joshua. I, I love the fact that you even worked with individuals that not only had like an open door policy, but I see it as like an open opportunity yeah. policy. I mean, it's pretty impressive that they took the effort and time to let you see really behind the curtain on how a lot of things happen. If you will in mind, Joshua, could you dig a little further into your Aspire model? I think the activate is critical, which is why TJ let off with that, but you really hone in on several other areas from, you know, support, which you've touched on a little bit, but the perseverance the identity, you know, growing in your reflection. And then the one that probably is near and dear to both of uh, TJ and I, my heart is that execution of vision. Can you dig into that a little bit for our audience? Yeah, of course. So, you know, I'll kind of go in order. Although the components are not meant to be linear, my story was. And so that's why it was set up that way. Obviously the acronym works too, but um, the support piece is obviously very, very important. I, I had the luxury, like you said, Joe, of, of having someone that was an amazing mentor, Sandra Pegram, who was my assistant principal. She was the catalyst of saying, you know, this is how you should be as an administrator with the open door policy, not only for students, teachers, but then also aspiring leaders. And so, you know, I've taken that same model for myself now as an assistant principal, but the support piece, you know, I talk about, you may not have someone on your campus 
to look up to or to gain knowledge from or get the same opportunities I did. And you might need to seek outside of your campus to find that. And I give some, some options and opportunities for folks to, you know, seek that support, but we can't do it alone, right? We can't get these experiences without someone else giving us the opportunity. And so um, if you can't find that on your own campus, then it, it might be someone else in your own district. It might be someone um, across the country that, you know, especially with social media and the, you know, opportunities online, you know, you can, you can get a lot more um, experience outside of your own, you know, building that we, we didn't have options before. So I talk about support and how important it is to get a mentor and additional mentors. I had, I've had several, I still to this day have several. I think it's important that we always have mentorship and it doesn't have to be just an education. And the other piece is persevere. As a leader, you're going to fail. It's just part of the journey. And I talk a lot about that and how, you know, getting knocked down instead of thinking of it as a win and lose proposition, it's about what did I learn in that, that experience, right? Because no leader's perfect, no educator is. And so it's important that we understand that there might be times that, you know, we falter in an initiative. It might be a, something in a conversation or meeting with a teacher or a parent or a student where we just didn't do it the correct way. And, you know, how do we move past that? The identity piece I talk about, it's hard as a teacher to move up in the same building. So we need to figure out, you know, how we're going to lead, who we are, but then we also have to understand that the relationships that we have with the people in that building is going to change. And for myself, the leadership, I went from an art teacher that had no leadership position whatsoever to then being side by side with the administration, administrative staff, staff doing all these different experiences with them. And it shifted so quickly that the staff really didn't understand what my role was, who I, you know, can they talk to me in the same way? And at lunch, right, those conversations changed. I noticed that the way that they interacted with me in the hallway, staff meetings, the whole nine yards, um, the whole thing, you know, switched. So I talked through just identity, like what does that look like when you're on your own campus? But then also if you were promoted, if you transferred and you go to a new campus, you know, the expectations that might be there currently, how do you fit into that mold, but then also have your own values, the things that you are set on that you don't want to lose that part of who you are not to lose that because someone else has different expectations on you. And then the last piece was the execution. I talk about how I went through the interview process. I did not do well. It was one of one of my worst interviews that I can think of and how I learned through the process, what I needed to do, what I needed to present to the board that was there that was sitting, um, asking the questions. And then the experiences that I needed to understand that I didn't have at the table that I need to reflect, understand how I could grow and then go back to the table and, you know, provide the evidence to say, no, I am ready for this position. And then, you know, of course, the success of actually becoming an, an administrator at that point. Thank you for sharing that, Josh. I mean, it's, I mean, you wrote, you write grow in your reflection and you're certainly a very self-reflective person to have gone through those experiences and to think back at them the way that you have, the way that you outlined here just now, the way that you've done in the book. What do you think inspired you to be that deeply self-reflective and come upon this model? Like what brought about the model? Did, did it come along the way? You said it was kind of linear for you. Did you start to think about that model before or during this process? And then what inspired you to, to write the book once you found the model? 
Sure. So the reflection piece actually came in building a aspiring leadership program for the district that I worked in last. We had an opportunity to build a, a cadre for aspiring leaders, and we had an opportunity to select several people from our campus to be designated to this program. And we met about eight times during the school year. Thankfully, the district really believed in the program and provided um, substitutes to these folks where we could get them off campus and give them the experiences needed that they may not have the opportunity to do on their own campus and kind of outline what an administrative life looks like. And based on that program, the district enjoyed it so much and the folks that were there grew and, and were promoted within the district that the district actually took that program on themselves. And so I was actually longing to continue to work with aspiring leaders. And that's actually where the podcast, my own podcast, um, Aspire to Lead came from was, was through that process of wanting to help. I knew a lot of folks were looking for information. They may not have someone to guide them on their own campus. And so I figured at least I could talk to a bunch of educational leaders throughout the country that maybe would be a, a wonderful resource to those folks that were just looking to get a little bit more knowledge on how to become a leader. And so I built the podcast. And then of course, through that process, it was evident that, you know, there could be a, a potential for an additional resource with the podcast. And so in the book, there's actually 11 different authors that have written contributions within the book, but then also I've interviewed all of them and I have a, a QR code in there that relates to a podcast that I've done and they can, you know, use that as an additional supplement to their own learning. But yeah, the book came from the podcast, honestly, of, of just hearing all these different leaders and, and understanding that, you know, I have a story also that unfortunately um, I had some bumps in the road and I wanted to make sure that, you know, I didn't, I really wanted it to be a resource where folks didn't have to fall down. They didn't have to struggle. If they could learn through my mistakes, maybe they could have a little bit easier of a journey and, and get to where they wanted it. It really is meant to, to serve, to, to help anyone who's aspiring to lead. Joshua, follow up on that. Do you hear common thread of one of those like single biggest mistakes early on that individuals make and, and, if you could share that, you know, something that could help those listening, particularly listening to Aspire in, you know, greater leadership roles or even into their first leadership roles. But we have some seasoned administrators on this call right mm -hmm. now. You know, what is, is there a common denominator, a thread that you've heard from individuals when they're pursuing and, and that, that level of uh, failure that they may have experienced? Yeah, I think it's just the activation piece, right? So finding that boundary of, of who am I as a leader on the campus? Because it's hard. It is a balance of being a teacher on a campus, but still not having full authority, but also trying to influence other people. And I think that's where it's, it's tricky, especially when you have peers um, that you've maybe been working with for 10 plus years. I mean, some of those relationships are, are deep and, you know, it's hard to switch roles in the, in the middle of a, a school year and, and to be seen differently. So I think just trying to understand like the, the balance of getting the experiences that you need, influence folks, but also not rubbing people the wrong way where they think that you're trying to, you know, tell them what to do to dictate, you know, how they should be acting or, or performing in the school. And so I, th I feel like that has been the common thread as far as folks that I've coached before of trying to find that really hard balance of, of being a teacher, but a leader 
slash almost administrator on a campus. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, we always say that the definition of leadership is influence and it's not authority. And so mm -hmm. even as we've moved up into some positional authority, it doesn't mean that we have influence. And we're constantly working on that. In fact, I really think back to the most influence I had was probably when I was a teacher leader and a department chair and my peers, my peer group was the one group that I think we, we, we gelled the most. Once you gain that, that authority, everything changes. I'm curious, and the book is fairly new. I am curious though, because you work with so many leaders in your district, also on, this, on your show, and, you, and, and you're steeped in this work of leadership development. If you were going to write the book again, is there something you would add that you didn't put in there? Are you learning anything after the book was? Because, you know, as authors, we always say, like, we haven't read, written a perfect book, and we, we reflect on the things that we teach and whether or not something should have been there or we missed it or we should have expanded a certain topic to say more. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I think it, you can go deeper with anything. I think that's the thing. I, I, I actually really like the outline and, and how the book came together as far as you know what I talked about with the linear piece and the, the acronym and, and the additional resources. I am actually building that you say that, TJ. Uh, I am building a book study right now where I'm actually creating videos to expand on each chapter um, just because I, I felt like I could have gone deeper with each of the the pieces with the Aspire model. So I don't think I would have changed much. I think I just would have expanded a little bit more and, and provided some more resources, some more stories, some more examples. At the same time, I'm not much of a reader. Like I read, don't get me wrong. Uh, I do love reading, but when I am reading, I want to, I want stories and I want something that keeps my attention. And so I kind of tried to write that way. <laughs> I wrote for myself, I guess, in that sense. So the similar reader, I didn't want it to um, be deep in theory and, and research, even though I, I think there's a, a place for that definitely. So I wanted to go, like I said, to, to give a little bit more within a book study. So that's, that's what I'm creating now really desire, at least many of the administrators I've talked to over my career, is to gain greater influence, right? We, we don't necessarily aspire always to get a title, to get a position, to even necessarily lead, but it's to be able to influence children, what they're learning, making their experience better. If you were going to improve the student experience in schools, what would you want to see done? Yeah, so I actually, I'm going to connect it to the book in, in the sense that I, I expand a little bit as far as an administrator, some different characteristics, right? So passion, creativity, and empathy. And the empathy piece is, is one area that I'm extremely passionate about. And in that, I talked about the social emotional aspect of, of students uh, talking about restorative practices and trauma-informed um, care. And I think that's something that I'm going to yell from the mountaintops as much as I possibly can, as far as um, just schools in general, I think as far as a student experience, yes, learning is obviously our main goal, but the other piece of that is, is the social emotional health of our students. And, you know, what is it that we're doing on our campus to make sure that we're checking in that they have everything possibly um, that they need as far as resources are, you know, are they being fed? Do they need counseling? Do they need, 
you know, mental health checks or ways to deescalate themselves um, if they're in a high emotional state. So in that chapter, I touch on it, maybe back to TJ's point. That's one area I could probably write an entire book on, <laughs> but that is something I'm, I'm hoping. I know the pandemic highlighted that, but that didn't just appear, right? The social emotional aspect of, of students has always been there. It's just that the pandemic highlighted it and it made it so we couldn't ignore it any further. But in schools, I think that we need to designate resources. You know, we need to have social workers on campuses. We need to have additional counselors not to work on student schedules. We need them there for mental health. And what are we doing to make sure that the students are in the right place to learn? Because if we have a student that's struggling with things that are going on at home, if it's, if it's a student that's going through trauma, then there's not going to be a whole lot of learning going on. They're just there to survive. And I think too often we, we don't realize that trauma is, is pretty prevalent uh, within our student body and our kids are going through really difficult times. And so if we can have that in the forefront of our minds before we even start our lesson plans, I think that it's going to go a long way so that we can get our students then in the frame of mind to be able to, to take on new content. Yeah, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of the listeners here live on the call and also post-production who are working on SEL initiatives. And as you said, the pandemic highlighted it, but it's always been a need. Maybe now we'll finally do something about it within the curriculum versus making that such a separate aspect of what we do in schools. Mm-hmm. And be awesome if you wrote a book about that, Josh. I wondered too, as a selective reader, and our audience is always looking for resources, your resource for them, your website, as a selective reader, as a leader, do you have a favorite resource for teaching, learning, or leadership, or a place that people should go where you say, look, if you're not following this group, get out there and subscribe, or buy this book, or something of that sort? Sure. I've got a couple on my desk. I can pull those over. <laughs> I've got uh, Evan Robb's 10-Minute uh, Principle. That's awesome uh, for our leaders. This one from Dr. Jill Seiler. She's also in Texas. Uh, Thrive Through the Five. I would highly recommend this book also for any leaders. And then, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm on the Teach Better team. I think anything on Teach Better's website, you know, they give a lot of resources as far as courses, blogs, podcasts. They've got uh, masterminds also for aspiring and current leaders. So I think that's an amazing resource for anyone that's in the education field. Well, along those lines of reading to grow, what, what TJ had asked, do you follow specific formula to grow as a leader? Can you share that with our audience? Um, you just mentioned some, some great resources, um, some that we're big fans of as well. Is there a way you now approach uh, that you're in a leadership position you've aspired to that you're really developing yourself in a systematic way. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just making connections. I, I think so often, you know, when we're in a district, we definitely rely on, on other leaders that are close by. But I'd like to go beyond that because I think sometimes we can get in a mode of just doing what we've always done. I constantly am looking for answers outside, you know, of Texas, trying to get out, what are they doing in California? What are they doing in Missouri? What, you know, finding other leaders to, to reach out to for specific problems that, that are occurring. And so 
I lean heavily into Voxer groups. Uh, for those who don't know Voxer, it's, it's a application that's similar to a, like a walkie talkie. Um, it's voice acti act activated, it's messages that you can respond and you can do that at any point. And especially last year with when the pandemic was going on, you know, we had, I have an Aspire Voxer group that a bunch of leaders th throughout the country are on and, and we were bouncing ideas constantly to each other about, you know, what are you doing in this situation? We've never experienced this before. And we learned quite a bit, but then also, you know, I was talking about social emotional learning for, for students. I mean, it was, it was for our own emotional well-being as leaders, you know, leadership is a lonely job sometimes. And, it, and if you're not connected, you can get burnt out and it's, it's important to have a community. And so, you know, going back to what I was saying, I think, you know, making connections and seeking information from others within the position, I think is, is always going to be, is healthy. Obviously you can go to conferences, right? You can, go and listen to podcasts. You can read books, but I think having those conversations and getting in the nitty gritty and, and not being afraid to put yourself out there and say, Hey, I tried this. I screwed up. Is there anyone else that has a, a better option out there that you've been successful with is, is obviously a way to grow. And I I'm pretty personal. I like to have conversations with the folks. I guess that's why I gravitated to the podcast. Cause I love having, you know, rich conversations with folks, um, especially with leadership. So I would just encourage anyone that if you're not connected, you know, find whatever application you need to, to, you know, there's plenty of Facebook groups, there's ways to connect through Twitter and Instagram with, with other folks. So whatever it is that, that you feel comfortable with, you know, I would definitely say, you know, lean into that and, and trying to make connections with, with other folks around the world. Very cool. That connection piece is awesome. I think it's, it's neat to mix the asynchronous learning of like a podcast with the synchronized piece and, um, and maybe listening to the boxer or being on, on clubhouse or something like that. So thanks for that. I think it's great advice for, for anyone listening. I'd like to say, I'd like to ask, you know, you wrote a book about aspiring leadership. It's obviously directed towards those who aspire to lead, but any great leader is always aspiring, right? We're always learning. We're always looking to the next level. I wonder for you, Josh, with all of your accomplishments, what you reflect on in terms of what it will look like for you to make your greatest impact, say over the next three to five years, what would that look like? That's a great question, TJ. <laughs> I just want to influence. I, I don't know. You know, I've, I've answered this question before because, you know, someone's like, well, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do, you know, in, in five years? And, and my answer is always, I don't know. And I think that's the exciting piece about that, right? If, if my goal is to influence and make the greatest impact possible, then, then there's endless possibilities. You know, obviously I want my own school someday. I wanted to get the book done before I, I, you know, try to move on to the next level, but, you know, if I'm making an impact with the podcast, if I'm making an impact with the book, if I'm making an impact on my campus and my district, then, you know, then my cup is filled. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm doing my job. So wherever that might be, um, obviously I'm with the Teach Better team. I'm doing stuff on, with them. I'm, you know, I've got a lot, my hand is in a lot of things, but I don't know if I'm, you know, aspiring to like be a superintendent or anything like that. But I do feel like every single day I want to at least make an impact and, and um, help education in some way. And some days I just have to remind myself, like, you know, if this kid is, is having a tough day and I'm somehow able to, you know, get them back on track and, and able to learn, then, you know, I feel like I've, I've done my job and, you know, that, that does fill my cup. <laughs> um, if, even if it's just a little, little win for the day, 
I just, I just want to help people in any way I can. I think that's how I've always been, you know, growing up to just, just a servant heart. I just want to help folks, you know, whatever that may look like. I think that's a very important concept. Those that want to lead and are aspiring to lead or in leader positions, like what truly brings value to your day and in the pursuit of jobs in the pursuit of looking beyond current roles, it may leave you unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say, Joshua, that's something that I've discovered among many people doing great work in great positions, felt pressured to move beyond what they currently were doing, um, only to find themselves less satisfied and less fulfilled because they weren't dealing with kids as much anymore. They yep. weren't supervising teachers and making them better anymore. It's, it's a great point to make about the cup being filled and finding value in the work you're doing each and every day. Yeah, I think that piece is important because I think we can lose focus. Obviously, any, any administrator, anyone that's in a leadership position, I mean, it can be, I, I talked about it being a lonely spot, but you, it can also be kind of a beatdown. I mean, there's a lot of negativity in, in leadership. Uh, we all know that, right? So if you're just focused on the negative and, and not really focusing on, you know, the, the wins or the positivity that is occurring in, the, in your day, you know, you're, you are going to get burnt out. Right. So instead of thinking of yourself as a candle, you need to think of yourself as like a propane tank. Right. I mean, where we're constantly needing to find ways to, to find our passions. And, and I did write about that because, you know, at, at one point I did lose my identity. I, I did almost walk away from education and, and it wasn't because I wasn't being true to myself and I wasn't finding opportunities in my day to touch the things that I'm most passionate about. And so if, if we lose our focus, then I think, it's quite easy to, to walk away from that position altogether. Yeah, powerful, powerful. And I appreciate you being transparent, being humble and admitting like, look, bad days exist. Yes. You're going to lead or you're going to take shots. And I think people who don't realize that or are naive to that just don't recognize the difficulties that lie with leadership. Just knowing your experiences, knowing how you're contributing to the education world, which we're very appreciative of, this whole notion of aspiration and, and people doing more, being more, and serving more. You know, what's what's a topic or a book you wish someone would write? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't mean to be controversial, but maybe just the, the way that, you know, the education system can, can shift away from where it is right now. You know, I, I know that, you know, everyone's probably listening to the news lately and, and the shortages that are occurring within our system and how, you know, if people are leaving or retiring and how not as many folks are coming into the profession. And so what does that look like? You know, because in, in the next five years, we might see a drastic change and, you know, in our resources and, and how states are attempting to educate students. You know, I, I know earlier this year in Pittsburgh, they had a, a bus shortage and they were trying to figure out what to do with the students and, and how they were going to, you know, be able to teach them every single day. So if that's becoming our norm, then what is education potentially going to evolve into, you know, and I, I really am curious on, on just how that's going to, look and how we're going to combat that because I, I do think that 
you know, I've, I've heard some of the statistics is staggering of, of how many teachers are going to need to be in the role and within the next couple of years and the number of people in the programs are, are not there. So, you know, what, what does education look like moving forward? That's awesome. We'll call that the necessary evolution of education by Joshua Stamper. <laughs> so we'll look for that title. Slash the- TJ slash Joe. <laughs> that, that works. <laughs> that works. Josh, this has been great. Lots of wisdom, lots of advice for aspiring. I know the people on the call, I could see their heads nodding as they, as the, what you've said has resonated with them. Anybody listening to this post-production is going to love it. We really appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you would add uh, as final comments for our listeners today, the folks on the call? Yeah, I, I think I just want to expand on the piece talking about like, as far as being a leader, don't feel like you have to do what you experience as a student, as a teacher, and as an administrator. There are ways to push boundaries and find new innovative and creative ways. And sometimes that's empowering those who you lead and getting out of the way, taking their ideas and just saying yes. And you know, it may not be the smoothest journey, it may not be the smoothest ride with the initiative, but allowing folks to take ownership of something. And oftentimes the, the product in the end is far greater than the idea that you would have created yourself. So, you know, be open to creativity on your campus, embed that into your culture. And I promise you great things will happen. Great way to end the show. Do not accept the status quo, empower others, and look for ways to be creativity in your school, on your campus. Fantastic. You heard it here again on Focus Ed. Joshua Stamper, everyone, a virtual round of applause, please, from the live audience. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, Stay focused. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest. Self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping, Within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. 
to get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster, you use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out Ghost Bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.